Intro! Are, are you Cornholio? You look a little bit like Cornholio right now. Uh, no, no, no. I just it's the it's the newest fashion in a uh, mask wear. Is it that cold? I nope. actually I've seen I've seen people doing that at the grocery stores. I have seen people people doing this at the grocery store, and I was inspired by their patriotism. <laughs> um, yeah. So I uh, no, I'm just casually wearing my t-shirt up over my nose. It looks like you're recovering from a weird surgery. That's not entirely inaccurate. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I um here. I guess I'll just go ahead and. Uh... Welcome to the Get Offset Podcast. My name is Emily, and who the hell is that guy? <laughs> this is a slightly less bearded Andrew. Yes, for those yeah. who are just listening, Andrew trimmed up his beard, like way uh, trimmed it. Lost about four inches. Give or take. <laughs> yeah. It was getting pretty uh getting pretty scraggly. Yeah. Yep. It was. See, I think I've mentioned this before, but like Rick for a while was growing out his hair, so he has he still has very long hair. It's beautiful. But he was also growing the beard out really long and finally I was like, I think you gotta do one or the other because to do both, it's just yeah, it's maybe not the the most professional thing to present in, sure. in meetings at his like Fortune five hundred company job or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I didn't uh, I didn't trim this up before I had a big thing at work last week. Probably should have, but yeah. yeah, I was only dealing with some very important people who were staring at me, going like, "Okay, Mister Homeless Guy, so where am I going again? Where are you where are no. you leading me down this dark hallway?" more and more like people aren't as super judgy about like whether or not their person that they're working with has facial hair i mean shoot for the first time in like a very long time people in in congress have facial hair (laughs) and look how well that's working for ted cruz um you know he does look better with it uh, does he i mean the bar was i don't want to say anything about someone's appearance i i I think it's fine i don't know i just and so the used car salesman vibe for me. Anyways, um, I think Taft was our last last president with uh, facial hair. He had a mustache. We haven't had a president with facial hair in like a hundred and twenty five years or something. That should change. I think Joe should uh, grow out the Santa beard. That'd be great. Oh man, I bet he would. I wonder what that dude looks like with facial hair. What if he can't grow a beard? Imagine all the soy boy jokes that would come out. Um, well, people have been making soy bo- There's one, the same person made a couple of comments on this podcast about that's right. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, and I just responded. I'm allergic to soy, and also again, mammalian mammalian estrogen that you find in milk is more likely to affect a man's estrogen than I don't know. Soy. I made some of the best steak I've had in my life last night. So, haha, been eating steak all week. I almost didn't eat steak this week. Even though I got a whole bunch of Costco, huh. did I tell you? I guess you might not have been affected by this, but the um, the power was out for us for like eighteen hours early in the week. Right, I wasn't affected. No, lucky. Yeah, no, uh, we lost power at like midnight. We didn't get back to like seven, eight p.m. That, um, so like eighteen, nineteen hours, something like that. I wouldn't have been able to do any work for an entire day, and that would have stressed me out so hardcore. 
I mean, I had to go into the office that day. Um, so in the yeah. office had power, so that wasn't as big of an issue, but, um, yeah, no, we had just gone to Costco on Monday and we got a whole fridge load. I was so freaked out. I'm like, no, don't make me throw out all of this. Um, got yeah. a really nice cut of a New York strip. That sounds nice. Yep. So yeah, no, that was a, that was a wild part of the weekend. I'm afraid uh, I posted something to my personal social media um, the day before. And I, I said, I don't know who needs to hear this, but, but feel the rain on your skin. And then we get the worst rainstorm of the year, knocks out the power for half a million. <laughs> like, dang it. Was it. The wind. it was the wind. I know. It, it's all of it together. is just nasty i'm like no 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 about this time last year i was like the world needs a new plague um half not half totally jokingly uh and then we got a plague and then this year i said feel the rain in your skin power gets knocked out for a half million I, it's these accidental sayings it's killing me yeah i mean be careful what you wish for and all that i wasn't even wishing for it <laughs> Was it like so, a reference to a hymn or something? What was that? Feel the rain on your skin? I don't know. Sometimes you say things that I don't understand. No one else can feel it for you? No one else can feel it for you. Only you can let it in. No one else. No one else. That's yeah. a, that song's a banger, dude. It is. Dang. Oh, Natasha Bedingfield. There you go. I was waiting for it. I know who she is. She's from some weird famous family, I think. That doesn't surprise me. Yeah. <laughs> oh. No, anyways. Yeah. Um, we haven't done this in a minute. Yeah, no, we, we took a week off. We were pre-recorded an episode, which um, I think we did a little bit more frequently when we were first starting out. We were recording every other week. And then at some yeah. point, we kind of just shifted into a recording every week, like a couple of days before before lunch. And I think that's been yeah. a really good rhythm, but we needed the week off. And so it was nice. I had a, a good weekend. And, and then this weekend's a three day weekend. Like what is this? Oh, for you. <laughs> yeah. So I will say my job had like, um, our annual summit. So we didn't do like work, work. We did like some team building things. We did Ooh. some like <laughs> forecasting things. So it wasn't like, I wasn't like in the, in the Google now, Docs. Everyone hold your hands okay, together. Okay. Like all five of you, hold your hands Virtually. together in the shape of a bowl. And then we're going to pour plaster into your hands. You have to hold it together. Is it just things like that? I don't know. No, I've seen some was, weird like, team we, building things. We played some weird, like, I don't want to call it weird. It was like um a, an RPG, like Dungeons and Dragons style. And it, uh the the guy who ran it, his name is Dante, and he he did it. It was really cute. It involved bears, and we were trying to. Uh, there was Bear Nom, and we mm. were trying to uh, steal a guitar from Bear Nom. And there was Nom? Steve. I was there. Nam, 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 Nam. I don't know why I do that, dude. I just i I can't say Nam. Is that how? Dang, Nam it. I think Vietnam. <laughs> Nam, nam, nam. Nam, 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 nam. Man. I sound like a Peanuts character. My grandpa's like, I remember Nam, and I'm like, I do too, because I went last year and I can't go this year. Um, well, no, well, you can. It's free. Well, it's you free. can go virtually. 
I'm doing it. I woke up uh, this morning to Facebook reminding me of like, this is your memory from a year ago. It's like me in the long, long line to get my uh, my badge for Nam. I'm like walking into the convention center. I'm like, dang it. It's been a year. It's been a year. <laughs> it's been a year. Yep. We're approaching yeah. a, like a full year since everyone had to, you know, go into hiding, you know, before the dark times. <sighs> Dude, I, I, I do regret not because I had the time off. I had the money mm-hmm. and I just didn't go. It was your, th- I was like, it's Andrew's thing. I just did summer and he can do winter. It was a and great like, time sponsored by <clears throat> Covenant Cables. They sponsored uh, NAM last year. It was great. Mm. Thanks, Andy. Yeah. Um, I'm actually still using the, yeah. ca- so they, they, they gave me the uh, couple of these cables for the sponsorship. So I'm actually, I've been using it all year. So this yeah, nice I'm Covenant Cables have, XLR. That's a that's exactly what I'm using, actually. I think it's like the Remnant series, I want to say. I don't know. You can't see it. It's, yeah. My webcam's not not equipped. It's fine. It sounds good, though, don't it? It does. It sure do. Um, yeah, but Believe in Music Week is this year's virtual NAM event. <clears throat> do so, you believe in music? <laughs> do you believe in music in a musician's heart? Uh no what oh yeah so i'm looking forward to it i was kind of poking around at the sessions and creating a weird calendar thing and uh friended layla city from tuna town and a couple other people so that was fun so i'm up on there and i'm uh into it what i was thinking about um doing to simulate nam again is um I mean, I just got this, I got this in the last couple of weeks in the mail, which is my Strymon Night Sky. It is most excellent. And, um, but I haven't had a ton of time to, to plug in and play with it. Been focused on my family time lately. And so I was thinking like, I could still like experience the magic of playing something new around this time of year when I'm just going to plug in with headphones and then have my family yell at me. Why would they yell at you? I'll turn up the radio super loud. The family will just start like, they'll yell at each other. And I'll just try to like, try and listen to this luscious reverb as much as I can, even though I can't really hear much other than the uh, ambient noise. I think that'd be a really great way to uh, remember Nam. Oh, I see what you're t- saying. Yeah. I get it. I get it. I get it. Yeah. Like the, what's the, deci- what's the, what's the, the, the noise for it, Nam? I think it's supposed to be like 85 decibels. That's very loud. That's not that bad. That's like church loud. It's like just yeah. loud enough to upset the seniors at, at a church. Upset everybody at the church. I'm struggling a little bit. Really? I, like, that's loud, dude. Like that is like above. Hold on. I'm trying to. No, most churches that I've gone to mix for, they usually just say keep it under 90, which I can do. So 85, 86 is typically my target. Safe noise levels. Oh, I didn't say it was safe. I just said it wasn't that loud. <laughs> There's a difference. At, at any sound at or above 85 is likely to damage your hearing over time. Over time is the key, though. You got to get those uh, those in-ears and just walk around with them. Mm, Custom um, molded. Yep. I should have done that last year, but the line was so long. What was who was doing them? I think Ultimate Ears every year. I want to say it was Ultimate Ears, or maybe it was someone else. But they the, do they do the scan? Yeah, the the free molding. Mm-hmm. And you just gotta, which is 
really expensive actually if you go to like your what is it, audiologist. Audiologist, yeah. Um, but they have the CSX series too that doesn't go as deep. It only goes to the first bend, and that has an at-home fit kit. Hmm. Yeah, so you just take your own mold, send it back, and seven to ten business days later. That is the thing with in ears. It's a. Uh, it can be a little intrusive feeling. It takes some getting used to. Yeah. But when it goes into the second bend, like that, that, that eliminates a lot of the ambient stage noise. So I think they also have like optional venting if you still want to get in a little bit of that ambient sound. Talk about a sales switch. Like, hey, we can block out all the sound, but you don't, you don't have to. Like, we can let a little bit in if you want. Well, that's what – well, you have to have the venting. Otherwise, you get that, like, weird occlusion effect where it feels oh, yeah, like, yeah. like plungers and you can, like, hear your own heartbeat. Yep. So you have to have some venting anyway. Um, but theirs have, like – because a lot of musicians do complain about, like, they, they still want to hear be able to hear a little bit of stage noise. So sure. they allow you to do that. With I think everything except for their, like, reference remaster series, which is really made to be used in a studio while you're mixing and mastering. Sure. Sure, sure. Yeah. I've obviously been reading a lot about Ultimate Ears lately. I understand. Makes sense. <laughs> oh my god. <clears throat> so I mean, I'm yeah, I'm I'm interested in it. I'm interested to see what they do. I know that people are working really, really hard to make it kind of like a, a worthwhile worthwhile sort of deal. But um yeah, I'm just kind of I'm just going to go with the flow. It's a weird year. People are doing their best and I don't really want to, you know, say anything negative about anybody. Sure. I don't really know what there is to say that's negative, but. I could probably find something negative just for the sake of being negative. That doesn't mean I believe it. Man, we do get those negative comments sometimes. Negative comments like are what I eat for breakfast. Oh, then don't. At least when I. But only if I. Read our iTunes reviews then. Have fun. Yeah, so I'll, I'll read those while I eat my edamame beans for breakfast. Edamame. Yuck. Now all that soy. Ugh. Very allergic. Okay, so what's uh, you talked about your night sky. Is there anything else new with you? Um. Well, quick note on the night sky. It's sick. It does some really cool original things and um, – I think my favorite part of this is uh, playing with the envelope options. Uh, my favorite sound that I've done it so far, like, I don't know how I would use this, but it's like, it sounds like a normal reverb until you stop playing. And then it just like pitch shifts, like, like through the tail of the reverb. It is like this really hard stop, like Doppler effect kind of sound. It is just, but like, as long as you're playing, like keeping the input level going in more or less, like in between like strums will like dip a little bit. Cause I had it set for like an immediate, like, you know really fast um so it was just giving like a little bit of warble but then just like kind of just stopping in between like i think that would be so sick for like a band break um you know everyone hits the snare really loud everyone stops and then jump back (laughs) into it just something like that i don't know i i'm finding myself like digging into it and having some fun with the noises and instantly finding myself going that's weird that's cool and i could see how i could use that in a band context and mm-hmm. it's making me want to go jam with folks. That's like the trifecta. Weird, cool, cane use in band. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah. Totally. No, it hits it, it hits everything across the board for what I'd want out of this. And uh nice. I don't I don't regret this whatsoever. Pretty excited cool. with it. So there's that, and then I also got this nice shirt. It says makes make, make 
McGriff's sick again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is from my friend Steve Torres. Thanks, Steve. Um, he sent this over to me. We traded shirts. I sent him and it is swell with my soul shirt. So I have a hat that says make America read again, but I don't wear it because I can't. Why would I do that? I did not buy that hat. It was a gift and I'm like, I hate it. Is it red? No, it's black and gold. Mm. I mean, that's, that's better. I mean, it's still the same font. It actually might say make reading great again. And I really think it should just be make, make America read again. Mm. Mm. Make America read good again. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Do you want to hear about what's new with me? I mean, hey, Emily, what's new with you? I got another ukulele. Ooh. It's uh, the Billie Eilish ukulele. And I, this week was basically ukulele week on the Get Offset demo channel. And I honestly expected more views than it got. So, but I very much look forward to playing this with Maya. Trying it took me the first you. few times looking at that. Uh, oh, oh, that'd be fun to play together. <clears throat> yeah, I it took me the, the first few times looking at that pattern to realize it's like the outline of a human, like in yeah, the middle. The yeah. It has these Fishman electronics, and honestly, like, I don't love the the tuner on this thing. It's not be... very responsive. Sure. They can be what? Um, no, the, no, the Fishman, uh, the Fishman preamp, I typically, like, the sound is, is fine enough. I, I've never had an issue with the sound, but the, uh, the tuner, I've gone back and forth on whether or not I dig it. It's just like three lines, red on one side, red on the other side, and green in the middle. And it's not really showing you when you're getting closer. And I really hate it. It is so <laughs> stupid. Sorry. This goes. Keep going. Keep going. Oh, you're good. Oh, oh you're too far now. And oh, oh. Yeah. Yep. No, but I think it's attractive. It feels luxurious, honestly. Oh, it's um, totally got like a like a Gucci vibe with the the print. Gucci, Gucci, uh, and it's got like this little the abalone. Um, oh, fancy rosette. No, I can't. I when I look at that, all I can find myself thinking is, "Yuke uh, should see me in a crown." It does sound nice. Thank you. How, do, how does it stack up with the uh, with the jazzy? If I only could buy one, I would have just done the Jazzmaster one. Mm. It's all I. It's all I would need. I feel like if you um, really want to like play the the uke as like your company instrument as like a singer songwriter and you're going to be plugging directly into PAs, then you'll mm-hmm. really want that Fishman preamp with the bass middle with a three band EQ basically sure. versus just single tone control. And it feels nicer. It's more luxurious. It's obviously a lot better built, but just like for what I would use it for, um, I, I just need the, uh, the, the bang around jazz master. Sure. One. <clears throat> but like I look at that one and some, it's not like 
the world's best construction and like sometimes some of the lines are kind of weird like if you watch the video i actually did a video um that was kind of a battle a battle of the ukes the billy eilish is a better instrument i don't need that much instrument sure when it comes to ukuleles so yeah no that seems like a totally fair thing to say i am yeah. i'm very curious too i i want to i want to do some weird like octave fuzz stuff um, <laughs> I mean, I have, I literally was planning on filming. I've been planning on filming this OC5 demo for like a month and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, and every time I plug it in, I'm like, I don't, I don't know where to start almost. Like it's just, it's a lot of pedal. Right. And I'm like, well, I definitely want to do it going into like a rat. So I, the woodcutter, I'm going to be running it through. I think it was a Sweetwater demo that had it going through like a rotary to make to, be, to give it an organ sound and then i was like then just get an organ sound pedal well i mean that's what like the um i've got the uh eqd um oh my goodness organizer organizer thank you i've got that sitting on my board and i've been enjoying that for years um mm-hmm. and i mean it's just got that nice little warble that goes with it that yeah. just kind of make it just makes it sound pretty natural i don't know that seems right and i have and I have the SY1, which has a host of organ sounds. Um, I'm excited for the OC5 um, because it, the OC2 simulation, I think, is what I'd really use it for a lot. Because the yeah. vintage OC2s aren't, haven't been crazy expensive, but I mean, they can go upwards of 200 bucks. Yeah, they're more expensive than I think you would want to pay for what it is. Sure. And like the tracking isn't as good on the the vintage mode, but I do prefer I prefer the vintage mode to the poly mode. I, I well, thought the, the point is it tracks bad. bad. That's the whole that's the magic in yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Well, charming tracking. I mean, that's so. Oh, it's so on base with an OC two and that kind of glitchy tracking through a fuzz pedal. I mean, there's just that's such a ooey gooey yummy synthy sound. Um, ooey, say that. Ooey, I mean, say that five times fast. I, there's oh, something I about the magic of that glitchiness. I don't know. I think, I think I've told this story in the podcast before it. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was working at Guitar Center. Someone brought in a, uh, a Japanese OC2 to sell. And I remember like plugging it to test it, test it. And I did a check with a coworker. I'm like, is this broken? Like, I don't understand. Cause I had never played like an analog, um, polyphonic, um, like monophonic, um, kind of situation. And I'm like, this just doesn't sound right. It's kind of cool, but like, is it supposed to do this? Like, dude, is that the black label? Am I, I'm like, um, and I just, I was, I was learning and sure enough, they got all hyped on it and we had to call the vintage department and yeah, and yeah, um, mm. did not end up buying it. Um, but I thought about mm. buying it for myself and I don't know. It's just one of those, like at first though, like I didn't quite get it. Once I got it, I'm like, Oh, I get it now. Oh, wait a minute. No, this is cool. I've heard this sound before. I recognize that sound. I've heard it on the records. Mm, yeah. And no, to see yeah, that I've... in an OC5 at a more, I don't know, you don't have to worry about getting it recapped <laughs> or anything. Uh, I was OC... I was having some fun with um, doing some Prince stuff because he he pretty famously uses the OC2 mm-hmm. um, like in the intro to When Doves Cry and, the, and a couple solos. It's really, I really, I had an OC3 and I used it a lot to beef up um, solos. That was really sure. what I like to use it for. Um, because it had that, that, that dirty, dirty mode. Right. <laughs> uh, and so I've been just kind of playing this through, through the woodcutter to kind of get, get that sort of vibe. About sure. It. It's been fun. 
it's been fun, but it's like, oh God. And then I like made the mistake of asking patrons, like, what do you see me do with this pedal? And they're like, everything, everything. I'm like, ah, no, I mean, I don't know. No, there's, so there's, guitar. I'm like, no. no, there's three things that I'd want to see the OC five do well at. Um, and I'd want to know if they do well before I'd want to buy one is the OC two. Cause, um, the OC three just didn't sound great. Um, and so I just want, I want to know is the, I, the, I I've never OC three never sounded quite right to me. I could never get on with. And that's why I went with an EQD organizer. Um, even though I had less control over the warble and the organizer, cause there is no control for it. I just, I liked how it sounded less sterile. Like at least with the electro harmonics pog, uh, it, it sounds sterile, but it, it, it's a very recognizable, very usable sterile sound because it's meant to yeah. be used. The OC3 just never hit right for me. So I want to know if the OC, if the OC2 simulation sounds good. I want to know if it can hang with a pog, uh, with the, just I don't the have more a pog st- to compare it to. Actually, I could get access to one Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. It's Rick. Hi, Rick. What did Tom Kelly, what did Tom Kelly want us to say next time Rick was bringing? Coming in with that big Rick attitude. Um, is that what it was? No, <laughs> no you already said that. What did Tom say? Tom said to say something. He said, say, can you? Oh, thank you. Uh, we got to find it now. Where was, was it an episode talk? For right, those of you wondering see. where we're looking, we're looking at the Get Offset patron discord server. Oh, it's Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Nothing but Rick. I don't, mm. I don't get it. I'm sure it's a reference yes. from a movie that came out before I, I was born. <laughs> um. So, um, yes, we have. If you uh, support us on Patreon at Patreon.com/slash/GetOffset, at the five dollar level or above, you get access to our super secret Discord account, which um, Discord channel, which means sometimes server Discord server, things, yeah. We do the things you ask us to do. (laughs) Or you give me anxiety when I ask what you want me to do with the OC5, and then you're like, everything! I want to know if it can do uh, how it chalks up to uh, OC2. I want to know if it can hang with a pog. And when I say hang hang with a pog, like I don't necessarily mean like exact, like, what's that? It's, uh, I don't know. It's something from David Ishizaka. Oh, okay. It's the weird, what's that pickup thing that you put on the... Oh, the, the sub? The submarine pickup? Oh, yeah. I need to look up how this works. So for mo- a lot of people, when they use a POG, they just, they, they're adding it with all the other effects. So I don't necessarily need it to, ch- like, pound for pound match up with the POG um, clean. I just I would want it to be able to replace a pog on a board with all the other effects for the the applications I'd want to use it for. I mean, I think ambient P-dub kind of um washy sounds. And then the third thing I want to know is not necessarily a deal breaker by any means, but the, a lot of hype's been put on the uh, the lowest note algorithm. And the reason why I'd want to know about that is church stuff. Church stuff. I mean, there's a I mean, especially right now with a lot of churches that are uh, meeting with a limited in-person attendance or no in-person attendance at all and certainly should be all live streaming if possible. I mean, you've got a a lot of folks have had a very limited 
a number of people that they could get in their band for a Sunday morning church service. And so instead of wanting to do a strip down acoustic set every single week, just out of the necessity of things, I mean, trying to build out the multi-instrumentalist with less instrumentals, instrumentalists is always, even before COVID, but even now seems like a, a noble goal to, to want to achieve. And so my thought process is you get a, maybe a Fender Acoustic Sonic or whatever it might be. And you just want to run the second output with the bass, run it through a DI, run it into an amp or whatever, and just have that off to the side as your accompaniment um, bass sound. I, if that could do it well, that would be great. Not the end of the world if it can't, but if it could do it well enough for a Sunday morning, I think that would be a huge selling point. And I'd start recommending that to uh, my friends who would lead worship at churches. My, my coffee's kicked in. Well, Sorry, I'm talking it really. <laughs> How about I do as much as I can with this pedal and then you steal it? Do more with it. And yeah. eventually possibly give it back, maybe? Um. <laughs> I think it's a cool pedal. Like, here's the thing, and this is something that people talk about in regards to demo channels a lot is that people complain that we never say we don't like something and that we don't cover things that we don't like. And the thing is, I'm never going to say that something is bad because, listen, this does what it's supposed to do. This is a good pedal. I've played it a lot. I think I think it sounds like the OC2 when it's on the vintage mode. I think the poly stuff is fine. It's just like this does not fit into the music that I make for the most part. Um, and that's fine. It's not, it doesn't have to be for everybody. I feel like especially white dudes, sorry, white dudes, throw you under the bus. But like, especially us white people, we're, we're like, it has to be for us or we don't like it. I'm like, it, not, not everything has to be for you as a musician, as a human being. It's like, it's okay for things to just be like, oh, that's for somebody else. I hope they enjoy it. And I know people will enjoy this pedal that was not made with me in mind. <laughs> sure. And I think another great example where people get all up in arms about like, this isn't the feature set that I wanted. And then like six weeks later, they're like, oh, <laughs> this sounds way better than anything else I've had. Um, literally this right here, the Strymon Night Sky has been the epitome of that for a lot of uh, a lot of folks on the forums that just immediately everyone just crapped on it. Um in a lot of the worship forums, I'm sitting here like, no, actually that looks like that could be really usable. Like, what are you guys talking about? Um, yeah. And then I'm already seeing the, Hey, look guys, new gear day. What's in the box. It's a Strymon box. Oh, look, it's a night sky. We're going to play this in church <laughs> this week. And yeah. I'm just like, I, I swear I saw some of these people saying that this is a huge fail from Strymon. And just, I'm sure everyone that Strymon is just kicking back like, uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Keep talking. <laughs> We'll, we'll wait for your check. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, so I, that's that's all I want to say about just it. Like, stop being so quick. And yeah, and and again, like just sometimes, like you can play through something, you'd be like, "This sounds good." Because the thing is, like, I don't think there are a ton of pedals that sound bad. I don't think a lot of those make it to market, and I don't think a lot of those end up uh, getting demoed by me for one reason or another. And. It's just a matter of, is this for you? You got ears. Sure. Yeah. <clears throat> well, shall we do sponsors? Yes. Did you know that you can sponsor the Get Offset podcast? <laughs> what? Yes, we are. I mean, we, we, have, we have sponsor room, but. Um, You're getting for paid for this? Yeah. <laughs> I am. I do the work, buddy. I know you do. <laughs> 
Um, for anyone who's wondering, uh, Emily does do most of the work for this channel. I'm, I'm, I'm the support squad and, uh, you should thank her for all of the hard work she does. Thank you. I appreciate that, Andrew. Um, uh, but we have the Patreon we've mentioned. You can also support us by purchasing our things on getallsetpodcast.com slash, slash shop, including our new schematics shirt that we discussed last <laughs> week. <laughs> I we love sold it. zero. We sold zero of them. <laughs> uh, you can if nothing also- else, I just love. I've been. I've dropped it into a couple of forums just to like when people start arguing about stuff, and I think people are just mad that I'm right when mm-hmm. I just drop that in there. It just fits their conversation exactly. They're like, I don't know. Josh Scott listed a clone for five hundred thousand dollars on Reverb. Like, imagine what the fees are. I'm like that's okay, guys. Let me just. Reverb badly wants that pedal to sell. They're like, <laughs> no, no. I think it's just the five. They only can take up to five hundred dollars. I think oh. is the deal. <laughs> that's the max. So. So that's like um, a ten thousand dollar instrument. Is that what five hundred dollars works out to be? Something like that. I don't know. Um, you can also check out our affiliate links for Reverb.com and Sweetwater and DistroKid. Uh, save seven percent on your first year of DistroKid if you use our affiliate link. And what? How else? Oh, by liking, commenting, subscribing, and leaving us review on iTunes. DistroKid can save you seven percent, no, or it. exactly seven percent in seven minutes or less. Stop it! Stop <laughs> it! Just stop it! By using right. the Get Offset affiliate link. DistroKid.com/slash/vip/slash/getoffset. Uh, this podcast is also sponsored by Partscaster Concierge. Gary at Partscaster Concierge has a host of uh, guitar Partscaster bodies that you can customize for your pickup and wiring uh, hardware desires. So um, it's a lot less expensive than going to Warmoth and you can get exactly what you want. He'll even finish the whole project for you if you really would like him to do that. Define whole project. Mm-hmm. He'll put the guitar together. Oh, well, that's really sweet. <laughs> the custom builds, but uh, yeah, so he's got a lot of great shapes. Um, that reminds me, I need to, uh, I need to ch- double check with Melissa and circle around for that conversation again. So we were <laughs> talking about doing a build together for our anniversary, which is last really, week. Really cute, yeah. Yeah, that's it was really our five-year cute. anniversary. Apparently, five-year anniversary gifts are supposed to be wood. Oh. I don't know which – I'm sure there's some sort of list that's been around since like the 1800s yeah. for that. I don't know. I know the first is like paper. Paper and then I forgot after that. Um, we've kind of just done our own thing every year. It's been really fun and cute. Mm. But yeah, I need, to, I need to talk to Melissa. We've got some ideas. I think – I've got some ideas on what I think I'd want to do. Um, yeah. But I want to talk it over with her and kind of start it out. And uh, yeah, we'll see where we go from there. I know you were thinking telly shape, perhaps. I'm I'm leaning strat, um, and I what I really want for a neck. I don't know if I be able to get my hands on one, but I think what I really want is an all rosewood neck with block block inlays. Oh gosh, you! I hope you have like three hundred, four hundred dollars set aside for warmth. <laughs> we'll see. Um, a few of them's expensive, but they're oh. local. They're in Piala. Fender, uh, Fender with the um, parallel universe, um, the jazz strat or whatever. It's the strat in a jazz master body. They've got the, um, they've got that neck. I saw mm-hmm. that. I'm like, I want that. 
Um, I want that neck and I really, I think they did it like in a surf green variant. Um, yeah. I think I think surf green variant with the gold anodized pit guard, which I'm not a huge fan of anodized pit guards personally. I mean, it looks fine, but if I, I like if I swap that out for like a mint pit guard, I think that could look really sweet. Oh my God, Andrew, an all rosewood neck with just dot inlays on the fender side is $700. Hmm. All righty. Maybe I don't want. <laughs> Maybe you don't want that. All right. Well, we'll see. We'll see what I go. All right. I'm just gonna go cry. Um, it's all the strat neck. <sighs> neck wood, rosewood. As it turns out, the proletariat life is not the life for me. Yeah, they don't even have those in stock. Um, no, but the, uh, did, did you see the, let me, you got to see the guitar that I'm talking about though. It was the, no, I've seen it. I've seen it. What, so do what kind of, I'm just going to do pick modern for you. Start building rosewood. Do you want the dark rosewood? That's more expensive. Parallel Universe Volume 2. Sorry, I'm pulling up the uh, the guitar that's inspiring me right now. I kind of just want – I kind of want a Strat pickup configuration like an HSS. Oh. Okay. And the Fender website is broken? No, I was just literally just there. No, I'm, I'm trying to uh, – oh, no. Oh, no. It's happening. Oh, no. I'm just trying to select Parallel Universe Volume 2. And it's not it letting me. Probably, it would probably be at least four hundred dollars for you to get this that neck from Warmoth. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Build custom. Build your own strap neck. Shaft wood. <laughs> Did you just laugh at that? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I am um, this way. Indian rosewood. There we go. I think what I'm more likely to do instead of going to Wormuth is just talking to Gary and be like, Hey, I've got this crazy wild idea. What are your thoughts? Is this possible? And just, I want to see what he's got to say first before I, before I venture out. Cause I really like Gary. He's been really good yeah. at this so far. Does he do next? I know his th big thing right now is bodies, but I'd be curious to see what he can. Curious to see what you can whip up. I don't want to make any promises. I don't want to make any assumptions here, but I'll, I'll call him. I'll talk to him. Um, I do want to move on, not leave our uh -huh. listeners completely hanging here. Uh, I've got a topic for us today. You what? I know. I know. I've got a topic. And what? Uh, it's normally it's me. I'm. I know. No. So I, I've been inspired with a stroke of like scratching my head, itis. Uh, reading the news over the last couple of weeks, and I, I've noticed there's been two two particular company moves that are very similar yet very different in the last month. And it struck me that the owners of the two separate companies are probably in more or less the same position and made two very different decisions. And I'm just very curious looking at it and just I thought it'd be worth bringing up and just taking a taking a look at what that means um and thoughts for uh 
thoughts for our, our listeners. So to speak less cryptically, two companies have sold in the last month. The first company, which is what everyone's been talking about, is Mesa Amplifiers. It sold to Gibson. Gibson's owned by KKR. So really, Mesa has sold to KKR um, when, it, when you get down to brass tacks. So the owner is 75. He's been doing this for a very long time. And he's, it sounds like from the interviews, he's still planning on being involved. Um, it, he's just more or less cashing out the name of the brand and just continuing to work and have fun in his retirement. Um and as an owner of the company, I think he has every right to, to want to cash out and uh, to see the fruits of his labor. I think um, estimates for Mesa's net worth are kind of all over the place, but most of the estimates I've seen so far agree that Mesa seems to make tens of millions of dollars a year in income, which is wild. That's a lot of money. It is a lot of money. And so, I mean, in terms of like annual sales, it it's probably reasonable to say that when he sold Mesa to Gibson, he made bank. That dude's living the dream. Yeah, more power to him. But it, a, a slightly different alt, uh, approach um, from another company that I think has flown under the radar a little bit um, is Taylor Guitars. Is sold this week. Oh right, I like that one. That one makes me happy. And they didn't sell to some investment company. They sold no. under an employee stock ownership program. So now it's a hundred percent employee owned. So the owner said, you know what? If everyone who's been with this company thus far, you've helped make this possible. We want to recognize your contributions and we're going to make it possible for you to own this company together. Um, and that way they can remain independent. Um, That's so beautiful. And I'm just looking at the two going, I mean, I'm sorry. I, I think what Taylor did just makes so much more sense. And reading through the interviews with the, the owners of Taylor and they're saying, yeah, like, yeah, we thought about bringing on like an investment company to kind of essentially buy the company out so we could, I mean, they've put in a whole lot of hard work themselves. I mean, I, I think as the owner of the company, I think it's totally fair ball that they would want to own or to cash out on the hard work that they've done over the years. Totally. And, it's like all these songwriters selling their songwriting, uh, selling their publishing. Sure. Um, I mean, it, it, that is so the sentiment of I'm getting older. I want to make sure that there's a way for the brand to be succeeded um, by a new generation of ownership. I think that's a very important thing. And I think both of those are obviously very valid and legal ways to do it. I just, I've been really struck by how rad it is of Taylor to have gone through the process of ensuring that it remains owned by its by its employees. I think that's really, really neat. And I'm not willing to go as far as to say that I think what Mesa did was wrong. Cause obviously like you've got a right to sell your company. It's not wrong. No, it's not wrong at all. It, it's his it's company. Like, it's, it's like wrong versus like the, the decision that we think is a better it's, one. Yeah. I mean, I would say it's like the right decision versus like the, like, wow, that's like a rock on dude decision. Um, yeah. Yeah. So in I mean, people people should be able to like retire. I firmly believe that, and people should be allowed to make money off of their you know work. But I really like the idea of selling selling to your to your employees who helped you make this whole thing possible. Like I think that's a really beautiful thing that just doesn't really happen that much. I think it's an interesting way of um in, in uh, bucking capitalism a little bit. Um, I know that sounds like so progressive of me. Look at man, I'm turning. I started the show as a recovering conservative. Look at me now. Um, no, I, I think 
in the sense of like challenging the hubris of I own the company, therefore all of it should be mine versus I started this company and look at all of the people that have helped me bring it to where it's at. I think there's something really beautiful about that. Now, what I don't want to imply is that the owner of Mesa has not then shared with some of its other employees that I, I don't want to assume that he's completely owned and they, and that none of the, the sales profits have gone to some of the employees that have been with them for the longest. I don't want to say that because they've been very private about their numbers. Um, with, there's not been a publicly announced number for how much Mesa sold for. They haven't said where, the, how that money's being distributed. I mean, they're being pretty, pretty close to the chest, but. I don't know. I, I, think, think, I don't think that's rare. <laughs> I, I think it's I th- I think it's fairly safe to assume that there's percentage wise more going to Taylor's employees than there's going to Mace's employees that have been around for a while. I don't think that's an unreasonable assumption to make. I could be wrong, but I don't think it's unreasonable. I would love to be wrong. Sure. Um no, I it I think it's a really interesting take on the hubris of company and brand ownership um, and brand succession. And I think that, I don't know, it's a really neat thing. I don't know how else to say that without being overly gushy. I'm really. It's neat. It was kind of unexpected. Like (laughs) I just, I wouldn't expect places to do that. I don't, I don't know how many places in general have done that. I don't know how many companies are that are like, publicly owned or actually like owned by employees or actually owned by the public. I mean, the most I can think of is like, was like a coffee shop in Brooklyn that was owned by the community. It's sure. really poor. Really poor. Um, it's such a great place. I love that place, but damn, you would order an organic salad for $10 and they wouldn't have it. So they would go across the street and buy it for 12 and sell it to you for 10. I'm like, that's not good. Business. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Um, <laughs> That's just economics. Sure. Uh, the Green Bay Packers are community owned. Green Bay Packers are the only uh, the only NFL team that's community owned, which was wild when I found out. And apparently, like that's like they've got clauses where you can pass down your stock like to your kids, like your stock in the Green Bay Packers. It's it's a cult, yeah. I swear. Uh, but I mean, they that's made not, it. It's not a cult. It's not what a cult they is. Made it to the NFC Championship again. Um, it's not. <laughs> this will be like their fifth or sixth time making it to the NFC championship and not making it to the Super Bowl <laughs> the last decade. Um, Always the bridesmaid. At least it wasn't like the Buffalo Bills in the 80s went to the Super Bowl like four years in a row and lost every single sure. time. Um, so with, moving on from gushing a little bit on how rad it is of Taylor, and the fact that they've been planning this for seven years. Uh, I think it, I think another thing that I looking at this in less from a, uh, challenging the hubris of like who, what ownership really looks like and what that means from a definition standpoint, I think seeing companies retain independence, I think is really neat. I think that goes a long way to giving customers or allowing customers to retain their sense of trust. And I think that's what I've seen a lot of with the Mesa acquisition is a lot of customers immediately have been like, Oh, well, hold on to your pre Gibbs and Mesa's. Those are going to be worth money in 10 years. And that's yeah. where people are automatically jumping to. I'm not saying they're right, but people immediately when they hear, when they've read the news about Mesa being bought up by Gibson, which is owned by KKR and therefore 
the KKR, a, a large investment company owns Mesa Boogie right now. Yeah. I think the trust relationship is immediately damaged. And I think, I don't know how quantifiable that is, but from a qualitative business assessment standpoint, I mean, there's not a lot of trust in Gibson right now. Gibson's trying to, through the long road of rebuilding trust over um, what the previous CEO led them through. <laughs> Being owned yeah. by an investment company post-bankruptcy is not helping that. Uh, and now Mesa is going that route and everyone's now concerned about uh, quality control. You're seeing the jokes about like, oh, well, now my head's going to fall off the cab. Um, yeah. I mean, it's fun. It's funny. <laughs> yeah. You also think about like other brands that have been purchased like DOD and those yep. are eventually kind of getting wiped out. Yeah. DOD got bought out by Samsung um, as part of the larger Harman acquisition. And Samsung's like, we don't hardly know that they exist. We're just going to let them here, go to the corner, sell what's left of your stock. And we're, we'll just be done with you. They don't see the value in it. Yeah. And I, <sighs> Business on that level is very different than business on the level that a lot of this industry operates on, which is relatively small companies. Um, some companies have investors. I mean, we've talked about that previously. It's not strange. Having a little bit of like venture capital, um, like high risk investment is very different than like a very large investment company you're being owned by Samsung. Uh, the, and what they're more interested in is return on investment. What IP do you own? That's kind of what a lot of those companies are looking for is like, let's look at your IP. Now we're going to sue everyone to try yeah. and just make the most of that IP. Cause if we can kick out everyone we can out of that IP realm, now we've got the full hold on that. And we can then start reeling in all the cash on that yeah. intellectual property. I mean, that's kind of just makes sense from a business standpoint, but it seems really heartless to a much smaller industry that's more relationship driven. Uh, and seeing Taylor, Taylor's not a small company. They're the, I think they're the largest, um, provider of instruments in the industry right now. Um, well, I know that baby Taylors are sold out through like the end of 2022 or something. Yeah. I've got a source from Taylor sent me a message. Um, it's, we were talking about like how far back, like their dealer orders are back order. And they're like, yeah, we're like a hundred thousand. I want to say it was like a hundred thousand guitars, um, for like, like so they're like even at their production schedule they're not going to be able to fill current active orders to dealers for like another year just because of not like because they're behind it's just like there's so much demand that they're they've generated um yeah and, I and you know it's been a, it's been a really don't quote me on that number because i i'm not looking at it don't quote me on the number um it's a lot it's, a it, lot. it's significant and that's not that's not entirely abnormal either for for the industry to have for the numbers to be working out that way. So don't hear like they're behind schedule. That's not what that means. No, no, no. I mean, it's just like, it's hard to take time to build because what takes time to cure. And Oh yeah. It's, I mean, it's almost like part of it's like investing in futures. If you're a certain size, like, well, yeah. It, it, for retailers to buy guitars before they've been made super common. I mean, I know retailers yeah. before custom shop lines are even announced publicly, they're already sold out to all the retailers. Well, this also happens in, in music too, like record store day. Like you talk to the record store and you're like, what are y'all going to get? And they're like, well, we can tell you what we ordered, but we can't tell you what we're going to get. Right. Because of course, like, of course we ordered like a lot of everything, but the truth is like not a lot exists of everything. Right. And I think about like this, even like Squire's paranormal, paranormal series, a lot of those were 
sold out before before they were finished like rolling off the assembly line sure and so that's all very very normal business yeah. stuff but for taylor very. to be such a big player in the industry right now and to still be able to pull this off i think that goes a long way for me personally to 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 trust them to love them <sighs> taylor's have always seemed like the perfect performance acoustic instrument to me personally i love the way martin sound on a couch i don't like how they sound in a mix typically like that big giant dread sound Maybe the smaller um, OM. I like the odds. Yeah, and the odds series are great for live performance. Um, but unless it's literally just you and a guitar and a microphone, I'm a dreadnought. Can- that's what that's what dreads are made for. Right, and those are great for that. Yeah. And really, personally, I want an HD twenty eight V. But just reading through what Taylor's done here, honestly, it makes me want to go spend a couple grand that I don't have just to be like, you guys are awesome. I want your brand on my wall behind me. I want to feel like I'm a part of the story. I mean, that's just. So incredibly neat to see for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the same time, it also makes you really bummed to see a, a brand that's very well loved like Mesa kind of get dragged through the mud through the process of the sale. I'm like, I like Mesa. I've been to the Mesa store on Sunset Strip. I mean, the people that work there are really nice. I've heard nothing but great things about the owner. The build quality over the years, they're still innovating, doing some really cool stuff. The sound of a dual rectifier is always going to be cemented in my because that's just such a great sound for metalcore and all the heavier sounds. I mean, it's such a great I brand. Prince, I think Prince played Mesa's, so they're obviously versatile. They're great. Yeah. They, they've been great for so long, and I hate seeing I hate seeing all the – seeing the name get trashed in the process of this acquisition. It doesn't surprise me. It, it just I think that goes a long way for a brand that's already so loved for it to immediately go to like boom and people would be joking like, haha, Gibson's buying Mesa so they can be outdone in yet another product line by Fender. Like jokes <laughs> like that. I'm like, oh my God. Why? Why? I guess I, I'm kind of comparing these two acquisitions and I just, I can't help but look at it and go. They could be more different. They could not. They're like polar. Opposites. Very, very different. Aside from the fact that the owners get more or less cashed out, and rightfully so, I think it, given how long they've been around, and that, that's the cashing out part completely makes sense. That's part of the game. More power to them. I'm really happy for them. One hundred percent. It's just the rest of it. it. Just comparing the two acquisitions, Taylor made out way better. I'm sorry. I that's kind of where I land. From a PR perspective, if nothing else. Sure. From a PR perspective, from from I. From a doing the more right thing, not to say that I mean, we said earlier, it's not like Mesa did anything wrong necessarily. I don't hold that against I them. I don't. I don't think they did anything wrong. No. I just think that you know, like we said, there's like the thing that's totally right to do and like good for you. And I'm really glad when people can yep. like you know reap the rewards of their hard work. Um, but there's also like the bro thing to do. Like that, yeah, man, that's. Really, really cool, and I wish more people would do that. So, really excited to see where Taylor goes. I've got, in terms of customer trust, I've got a whole lot of trust that they're with the independence that they have retained. That there's going to be some good things coming. Yeah. I think with Mesa, I still want Mesa to do really well. I've got nothing but love for the brand and the folks there, and I want to see them succeed under this new ownership. And I think the hope is that under the new ownership, it's more of a hands-off. We'll just fund what you need, but you guys keep doing what you're doing. You're doing great. I hope it's that kind of acquisition and not a hands-on. Now we're going to just go sue everyone who's ever made an amp that looks sort of like yours. Go through your IP portfolio. And I mean, kind you know of, they're going to do that. I, 
I know internally it's kind of what I'm expecting, but I, I really, mean, I really, I hope that I'm, I hope that's, that's not right because that, that's going to, for, that's just going to confirm everyone's, the fears that they're going to do that, the fears that they're going to go through and say, okay, how can we make some more profit margin? So we're going to put in some cheaper parts here for like, that's kind of what one would expect from this size of acquisition from an investment company that's looking to squeeze every penny out. Yeah. I mean, it's an investment company that's known for taking high risk ac- acquisitions. I mean, they took, uh, they took Gibson after bankrupting. Um, talk about a high risk acquisition. Heritage um, brands. Yeah, maybe, maybe a high risk, <laughs> but at the same time, heritage brands. The brand name alone is worth a lot. I mean, look at what Band Labs has done with like Tysco and Harmony. Literally, all they really had was the were the names to go off of. And sure. Tysco pedals have literally nothing to do with original Tysco designs, but they're still really cool and really affordable. And one hundred percent, they've done a really could, good job there. And I think they've done. I would say Band Labs has done a really great job of building a trust relationship with the industry. I know some of the I people mean, I mean, there. they make quality products. That's yep. what happens when you make quality products at reasonable prices. Um, you, do, you you build trust with people. I'm just I'm, – I, I'm, I admit that I have concern. Some of my concern I can, I can quantify and point to different things that have happened um, and kind of look at the objectively. It's owned by a very large investment company now and this is kind of what I expect to happen. Um, yeah. Other concerns are just more of the – just general, like, ooh, kind of just the gut feeling concern that I can't necessarily quantify. And I don't know if I can really justify. I just, I can feel it. Um, yeah. I just, I want them to continue to do well. And I want to be able to, in a few years when I've got more disposable income, maybe question mark, be able to walk into a store and grab a dual rectifier or whatever's new from the Mesa line and just like, oh, this still sounds as good as they used to. And I, their reasonable prices still and be able to walk out and be happy with the amp that I got off the rack instead of, if I wanted a Mesa in a few years and I wanted a good sounding Mesa to have to track down a pre Gibson acquisition, like no one wants to to be able to do that with the gear that they've grown up loving. Yeah. And can true. finally afford. Yeah. All we'll right. see how many years it takes for me to get to that point. <laughs> but I don't know. It depends on how long COVID-19 lasts, I think. Right. I, mean, <sighs> I don't know. Um, but I mean, got her vaccine, so yay! Oh, nice. I'm uh anxiously awaiting mine, but I can't imagine I'm anywhere near priority list on that. Oh, we're like we're like the last group. Was it like four or five groups? We're the last one. You might be higher up, though. I don't know. I mean, I'm 26 and healthy, relatively. Yeah, healthy-ish, healthy enough. Yeah. And I'm like, I mean, and like, I can work from home for as long as my job exists. Sure. I've been working in the office quite a bit lately. Yeah. Kind of wigs me out a little bit, but it's a job. Yeah. It's income. I need it. All right. Well, I think that's That's more or less, I think that's the end of my rant that I've been kind of stewing on, uh, um, stewing on for the last week kind of just reading through all that and seeing friends at taylor post about the hey i own part of taylor now i'm sorry i forgot to talk about one of my what's news and i really want to all shout right. out brian what's new from on the back end and um 
Oh, and then he did a deal where you could get a gale and the motel by a uh, pine box, which is actually really cool. It's got a little toggle. So the toggle up is uh-huh. more headroom and less, less compression, less distortion and down is more like a traditional rat. And then the gale just sounds as good as ever. I, I, I said, I actually filmed demos for both of these that I'll drop mm-hmm. uh, this week. I don't know why the gale isn't like a super popular pedal. Like, for real. Like, I don't know why this isn't on, like, a ton of boards. I have the pink one. It's kind of frustrating to try to get it lit right. But uh, I asked for the pink one. So, yeah, these are two really cool pedals, and uh, I bought them. I'm happy with my purchase. But I love the Gale. It's one of my favorite dirt pedals of all time. Just saw a headline pop up on one of the articles I had pulled up for reference that breaking news, Phil Spector has passed away. Okay. Yep. Interesting. Well, he did like murder two women. Yep. I was going to say like for a moment, like, oh, oh, oh yeah, that sounds fun. He was an, um, a phenomenal producer who really, his production really, I feel like it embodies the feeling of being young. Like you listen to those songs, no matter how old or young you are or were when you first heard them. And that just sounds like the exuberance of youth, like that wall of sound. Really genius. Sure. He died of COVID-19? Oh. Man. So how many people did he kill? He definitely murdered one. At Lana least. Clarkson. Yeah, the article yeah. I'm looking at right now is uh, from Loudwire, and uh, I like the headline is "Prolific Producer Plus Convicted Murderer Phil Spector has Died." <laughs> That's not I how mean, yeah. I want to be remembered. Um, <laughs> so I guess I don't, don't murder anybody. Right. I think that seems like the the safe way to avoid that. I think it's yeah. a, I think it's appropriate to call that out. I don't like uh, eulogies that are all roses and for conveniently forget all of the, Oh yeah. By the way, he killed someone. <laughs> yeah. He, he robbed somebody and their family of someone's life yep. and companionship. But, um, he, yeah, he, some just truly, truly phenomenal music sure. and production. And it's really, it's really a shame when, um, you tarnish your own reputation by doing something that abhorrent. Along with the fact that, you know, it's just a shame by doing something that abhorrent. Yeah. You know, it's just like, I don't want to sugarcoat it. Yep. I don't really want to sugarcoat it, but at the same time, like, I don't also don't want to discount that truly the wall of sound is maybe one of the most, um, influential production. He's one of the most influential producers of all time and stuff. Well, to end on that very sad note ish, sad ish. Uh, The very very conflicted note. The very conflicted, like, eh, did COVID do it? Do bad there. Um, my, my sympathies go out to his loved ones and the loved ones of uh, Lana um, Lana Clarkson. Indeed, I echo that. And uh, with that, Nobody my name is to, Andrew. Nobody check that I have COVID nineteen. Get your vaccines. Wear your masks. Um, my name is Emily. Thanks for watching. Thanks for under listening, understanding all of the above. Yes. Thanks. Thanks. We love you. Bye. Oh, Bye.